My name is Nate Phillips, and I am the champion of J.I.W. After our debut episode of season four took the world by storm, the high, yeah, that's right, the highest rated premiere in J.I.C.N. history, and it's all because of me, and this is my confidant, the man closest to me. Hit him with a little bit of that bubbly buckles. Check us out on Journey Into Wrestling, where the podfather and I run down everything from the bingo halls to the brightest delights. If it's in between the ropes, it's on Journey Into Wrestling, every other Wednesday on the Journey Into Comics Network. Following the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Poor Three Sixty. As always, I am your host, Andrew Porna. Thank you for joining me here on episode 48. We are coming down ever closer to episode 50. Now, in planning for like the last few episodes as we approach 50, I decided that one of the episodes should be on nuclear energy. Uh, and it was due to seeing a post uh, that a friend of mine was shared about it. And I'm actually joined by that friend today. This is Journey into Comics and Podcast Free co-host Tyler McLaughlin. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm doing well. Uh, it's not 40 below zero outside, and there's no snow on the ground. So as long as that trend continues, I'll be a pretty happy fella. Yeah, it was definitely... It was actually a nicer day today. I like got a little bit of rain, but it was pretty temperate out. I wasn't complaining. Yeah, it was almost, it was just... it was almost 60 here today. Oh really? That's we we were in like the f- mid forties, but still a lot better than it than it's been. Right. So yeah. So like I said, um, when I was thinking about doing the show on New Country, there's not someone I thought I could do it better with because you've been talking about it since you've been really podcasting. Like you're the one I've heard always kind of championing it and having uh, great opinions about it and why people shouldn't be afraid of it. Well, personally, I am a big big proponent of nuclear energy, but putting that aside. Um, and, and what you and I were talking about a little bit pre-show is it's incredibly frustrating to me when you have, you know, propaganda is a negative word, and I don't necessarily like to use it when it's not appropriate, but when you have misinformation about something that would 100% the the end would justify the means when it comes to nuclear energy because it's so safe now um, you know, Fukushima is obviously something that's happened recently and, and, and we haven't forgotten about it, but just, just in that short amount of time from the Fukushima accident, which much like Chernobyl, um, you know, was kind of a once in a million, you know, freak accident. And that's an argument that people always want to throw out, but it's so safe now we have no incentive not to at least try it, you know? And it's just it's just frustrating that people are so uneducated about it that they're terrified of it. You know, as right? They're so go ahead. Yeah, they're so influenced by the media and like what we see in entertainment of how entertainment classifies. Like people can't watch The Simpsons without seeing like 
their nuclear stuff look like it's just ready to just malfunction at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's a comedy show, but people are taking that as gospel, which is really unfortunate. Exactly. Um, you know, you, you brought up the, you know, one of the biggest, um, like, almost the face of nuclear energy is you see the giant cooling tower with the water vapor coming out of it. You know, and, and to most people, that looks like a giant concrete death machine spewing um, pollution and radiation into our atmosphere, and it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's just sad, you know. Right. You see people compare it to, like, the atom bomb with its shape and the mushroom. Like, no, that's... No, it's just a slightly curved... This is a slightly concave cooling tower with water vapor mm-hmm. coming out the top. It's essentially, it's essentially a cloud machine. That's all it's doing. It, yeah. It, you can go sit on the top of that thing and just enjoy yourself. You don't fall off. Mm-hmm. But, hey, that's it's nothing to be concerned with. And, yeah, just people just see it. Like, if someone saw it, like, in their backyard, they would probably freak out and think that they're going to... It's the same people think that if they, if they live under power lines, they're going to get cancer. It's mm-hmm. just the... It's just that people have these fears in the back of their head that they can't shake off, no matter the facts you put in front of them. That seems to be kind of how a lot of people are today in general. Mm-hmm. Given facts, they still almost entrench deeper into their beliefs. Exactly. And, you know, like, you live close to Chicago. You know, I live just a couple hours away from Chicago. Both of us are pretty close to Lake Erie, realistically. Um, I used to take a fishing trip to... to the Ohio side of Lake Erie every year and right where we put our boat in is a giant nuclear power plant. And like in, I think that plant was put in, in, I want to say the late seventies, early eighties. And, you know, and at that time, especially with, you know, that's, that's Chernobyl time. That's, you know, pretty close to three mile Island. That's, that's some pretty scary shit as far as, nuclear energy or nuclear technology in its infancy still um so after all that stuff happened they they really really um cracked down and and tightened regulations and that facility other than the warm water runoff which is is clean condensate going into the lake it's not it's not polluted it's not full of heavy heavy metals it's not killing fish it's not it's not making fish have three eyes like like the Simpsons. Um, it's just slightly raising the temperature of one part of the lake, so it doesn't have a super um, impactful presence for the environment. But other than that, it it, it has no effect whatsoever. And it, I I mean I went every year without fail for five years to the same lake, used the same outfitter every time. And people put their boats in, bring fish out. No one even acknowledged that the that the cooling tower was there, you know. And it was nice to see people not terrified of it, because right. there's no reason to be. Did people ever say like, "Oh, don't eat the fish that you catch there"? No. There could be some. Well, I mean, that's people people from like people that weren't locals or that didn't work uh, in that in that space. I, I heard that for sure. But as far as the guides and the outfitters and the locals, I mean, it, the science is there. They they collect 
they sample they take a sample size of every population of fish that fish and um, wildlife that's in that ecosystem every year every like I think it's every quarter they take a small sample size and they're monitoring it for radiation just to just to say on top of it if there is a um, release somewhere and right. the numbers the numbers are so so small that it's barely more than what's naturally occurring in you know the standard walleye living in any lake anywhere. So it's 100% negligible and the science is there to prove it. And people are still terrified of it. Right. Yeah. People could look at that and freak out, but then they see like all this stuff that contaminates the groundwater from like a coal plant. Oh yeah. And how that can, that'll really mess up an ecosystem. Well, and like, you know, we're talking about nuclear energy, but I think, especially in 2020 we have to talk about all the alternatives you know so coal we we have scientifically scientifically proven that coal is bad coal is bad for Mm -hmm. everything the only thing that coal is not bad for is your wallet because it's pretty cheap right um but that that small that small cost that you're getting from the energy generation of coal it's also causing people it's costing people their lives and it's it's a major impact on the environment, and then you have fracking, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is fantastic to get the natural gas out, but it's also incredibly detrimental to the environment. Wind and solar, great. It's renewable energy. We're never going to run out of wind. We're never going to run out of sun. The solar panels mm-hmm. are incredibly expensive to manufacture, and the materials that you have to manufacture them out of is incredibly detrimental to the environment. Right. So, I mean, we cannot win with any of the technology that we're trying, especially, you know, I've got a, a quick little snippet here to read. It mm-hmm. says, since 2000, we, and as we, they mean the United States, we've been heavily fostering wind and solar with production tax credits and investment tax credits. But at present, wind is barely 9% of electricity generation and solar isn't even 2%. So... Nuclear is the only, I'm not going to say only, but it is the largest source of carbon-free energy. So, I mean, the the writing is the the writing is on the board, but we're all just right. ignoring it. Right. People would much rather see like if you th- look back to the the history books of how it was in London during the Industrial Revolution when they were burning coal and the city was literally. Just smog and acid rain and just blackness and soot everywhere. Like, that's... Do they want us to go back to that? Well, and you think about it, too. Like, it's it's very cliche to think about the time of yesteryear and, and, well, we don't do that kind of stuff anymore. But, like, people used to burn coal in the stoves in their house to heat their living space. And the parents and the children and the animals and everybody was constantly breathing in coal dust. And that, I mean, why would we... You hit the nail on the head. Why would we want to go back to that? Why would we not do everything in our power to move away from it? Right. It's just because it's I mean, cheap. Right. I mean, we're lucky we're not... They're not trying to go back to using, like, whale blubber mm-hmm. for lighting our lanterns. Like, what? Blaine, Blaine would probably take um, a lot of satisfaction in... Uh, the whale industry or the whaling industry getting up and going, but uh, you know it's oh just it's like okay, 
I think really where we need to start is what are the hazards of nuclear nuclear energy or or at least nuclear power generation. Yeah, that's 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 a good point because we really because you can go off the back and see like what are the one of these you see the oh there's the you know what's the safe there's still the fact that you're involving some pretty heavy technology that could cause if something goes wrong but we're not looking at how it was even 20 years ago mm-hmm. like things have simplified a lot and you probably know a lot more about these hazards than I do I'll, I'll kind of pass the ball back and dig into this a little bit well I mean it goes back to the the being uneducated and the misinformation campaigns but the first thing that everybody thinks of is Chernobyl right the, the, this power plant is gonna run smooth and life is gonna be great and uh, then we're all going to be asleep, and the you know the the cooling sis- or the the cooling rods um, are going to fail, and it's going to melt down, and we're all going to die. You know, apocalypse! Here we come. Um, and with the technology we have now, from what I've read, at least the last six months, and and I, again, you know the. The uh, disclaimer is I, I don't work in the electrical industry. I only know the research that I've done. But, right. But with the new cooling rod technology and, um, you know, just like like I said at the beginning of the show, the amount of technological inv- advancement that we as North America have had from the time Fukushima happened until now with the cooling rod technology that they have now, there is almost no potential the potential for a a meltdown on the scale of chernobyl is so so small it's almost statistically impossible for it to happen so and i'll let me see while we're chatting here if i can actually pull up that those metrics um but and then the next thing that people while i'm looking at that the next thing that people go to is well what are we going to do with the nuclear waste Um, right go ahead because that because that's one thing that is oh you're looking that up because it's one thing that is a problem because the half life and the time before it's even safe to kind of be around it is it lasts a very long time like we as we, we were just talking about we talked that um that Germany based on pressures following Fukushima has destroyed their last uh, nuclear power plant now have it was like I think I remember reading that a weird example is kind of like five big bends worth of nuclear waste that they have to bury that's going to somehow have to stay safe for the next like million years or something crazy mm-hmm. and you know they're trying to find a place that dealers can oh comfortable with having it there or the place they can just entomb it like they did with uh chernobyl until it's it's safe to be around and unfortunately that's kind of one it's not really a drawback because i, I honestly i haven't done enough research to know when it's fully like what when you're using nuclear energy when do you get to the point where that material is no longer fit to use, but still radioactive enough to have to be disposed of effectively. I think it just depends on the material itself, um, because the uh, um, man, it's, it's my brain just shut off. The material that we were using in the the sixties and seventies versus the material or the the uh, new forms of radiation generating, or at least 
yeah, radiation generating material that we have now, mm-hmm. it's almost like we're not. I don't know. I I can't really explain it without reading it. Um, but while I'm the article that I'm reading right now has all of that, but like. I'll just read this real quick. The three significant yeah. accidents in the 50-year history of civil nuclear power generation are Three Mile Island, that happened in 1979, Chernobyl happened in 86, and Fukushima happened in 80, in 2011. Um, so each of these has basically the reason and what happened in each one. So Fukushima, for anyone that, that is not aware where three old reactors, together with a fourth, were written off after the effects of loss of cooling due to a huge tsunami were inadequately inadequately contained. There were no deaths or serious energies due to radioactivity, though about 19,000 people were killed by the tsunami. So, the reactors melted down. Not catastrophically, but they did. And more people were killed by the tsunami than they were the actual um, the nuclear power plant. Now, we're still dealing with long-term effects from that with um, the ocean, and, and a lot of that radiation reached California and the Pacific Northwest. Right. But in 50 years, we had three major accidents out of all the nuclear power plants in the world. That's three if you mm-hmm. if you compare that to the amount of oil refineries that have exploded and um, oil spilled the the Gulf of Mexico or mm-hmm. you know anywhere like the scale is incredibly lopsided um, towards right. the the petroleum industry yeah I think the amount of like oil leaks in general has been more than three in the past year alone. Mm-hmm. Especially if you include the um, the ones where we're getting it out of the ground instead of getting it out of the ocean. Um, right, I think that one... Um, isn't that one... Did they finally capped the one that was out in the... Out west where they were protesting its implementation? I think I think they just now got it under control. And I remember that... I think that, was, I think that, that broke or something happened weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It, it really... It was made... Everyone, or at least the media, was made aware of it when, um, uh, on on Thanksgiving actually. So basically, on the anniversary of all those protests last year. So it's like it's a big finger in the face to all the people that were protesting. Like this is what we were trying to stop. Now look what we've got. We told you this was going to happen. Right, and I think that yeah, like we're spraying them with water when we should have just been listening to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got a an article here, which is the one I was like, which is the one I was looking for. It says, "Have physicists found the key to safer nuclear power?" So a pretty clickbaity title, but mm-hmm. what we used to use was uranium. Right now we're using thorium salt. Thorium salt, and, interesting. And thorium salt, in to to save everybody the 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 boring, um, you know, ten hour long description of thorium salt but like it cannot be weaponized so you can't use it to harm others and they're 100% protected from meltdowns so let me get to that 
A thorium salt reactor, which is a type of molten salt reactor, promises a safer kind of nuclear power. It's designed to protect itself against meltdown, and it's also not as easy to weaponize like uranium. To get this kind of nuclear reaction to work, thorium is made to absorb neutrons that convert it to an artificial uranium isotope. So essentially, you take this thorium salt, mm-hmm. you get it super fucking hot, it changes the matter changes states, and then it starts absorbing neutrons from another material, and it basically creates a uh, a generic or like pseudo uranium. But it can never, it has none of the side effects of using uranium or plutonium like we did in the past. Right, and that definitely sounds like a much safer alternative to using the uranium, and it still has the same functionality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you talked about, like, if you told me it's a, a thorium salt reactor versus a nuclear reactor, if you told it to, like, a random person on the street, I think they would be like... Oh, that sounds kind of cool, actually. It doesn't sound scary in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Like, well, people just whenever they hear nuclear, it's that's the that's the trigger word. Yep. So, um, and, and the good thing about this thorium salt reactor technology is, so right now, the tech. This this article is from. I remember reading it two years ago. Okay, I remember reading this two years ago um, when it dropped on NBC News, but. Um, let me get back to where I was at. Okay. So at that time, they were testing several small-scale reactor designs. Uh, they basically had a think tank where everyone came up with using the same technology but, but slightly altering the designs to make the, the most ideal version of this thorium salt reactor. Um, right. So I'm going to read this here. Where its first experiment uses a setup called a molten salt fast reactor that burns thorium salts. This could, at least in theory, consume used nuclear fuel from ordinary uranium-based fission reactors. It's also possible to use thorium in a liquid form, and reactor designs built around this could essentially be self-regulating and fail-safe. So every time in the past that I've talked about the the new technology that we have that is is impossible to melt down 100% safe this is what I've been referencing so this is twofold one it solves the issue of how do we um, how do we handle the problems Mm -hmm. that we created you know uh, in the last couple decades with that nuclear waste if this technology is as good as it is claimed to be it could totally it could it, it could 100% deplete the uranium of all isotopes right it would just use it as fuel it's like and it's like starting it's starting a, a wood burning fire in my fireplace over here and then throwing a couple pieces of coal in the wood fire is going to 100% use up all the coal by the time it burns out right it's it's almost like you could take essentially Taking your not is it's a weird example. It's like taking your household garbage, burning it, but having no ill effects come from that. Mm-hmm. You eliminate stuff that has to go be properly disposed of. You're creating energy, and you're not putting more negativity really out there. Actually, I found kind of more of what you were saying. How the nature of this, like these MSRs, because of how they function, it prevents like a lot of these operations. Like, um, so the operations, like you said, like low 
pressure, so the event of a, of a malfunction of that doesn't the risk of explosions low. Mm-hmm. How it it employs a massive cooling system that means that pumping's not required, so there's no pump failure. I just um, I just real quick I just sent you a picture uh, in yeah. in our messenger chat. Of, uh, so there's the thorium salt, and then there's also a fluoride version for a molten hmm. salt salt reactor. I sent you a. Uh, two different versions. There's a crystallized solid and a liquid, but for a like small to medium sized reactor, so basically like a reactor big enough to to power like a city block. Yeah. The the both of these vials would be all the material that would be required to power a city block. Mm-hmm. And that's probably about the size. Of, looks like the size of a pen. Uh, I think. The the picture that I sent you isn't great, but it's about the size of a water bottle. Okay, that's still to power a city block. Like that's like you, like to power like a large city, you would need like a small warehouse amount. Like it's not just a little bit more material, essentially. Right, because like it, yeah, the picture just might be deceiving. It doesn't look like very much. It looks like I could hold it in my hand, but yeah, it's a water bottle amount. Mm-hmm. Like think about that, like. Think about it could power. You can think about all the how much energy you use if it can all function off something like that small and that it's potentially waste free because it can even diffuse all this old nuclear waste that we have lying around. Like, I, yeah, this is kind of blowing my mind in terms of why it's not better utilized, mm-hmm. why we're so scared of it. There's a <clears throat> there's a really really good article. From that came out of the MIT Technology Review. It's called Failsafe Nuclear Power. It's all the way back from 2016. I'm going to put that in our... I should have sent it earlier so we both could have read it, but... Um, I think I have it here. Um, yeah, August 2016. I got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that that one's a really, really good good one, and I really like the kind of the, the tagline underneath the, the title. It says, Cheaper and Cleaner Nuclear Plants could finally become reality, but not in the United States where the technology was invented more than 50 years ago. So that tagline essentially sums up everything that we have said for the last 25 minutes. We have the technology. It could be what we're after, but it's not going to happen. You know? Right. And it's just, it's unfortunate. Right. People are more obsessed with their financial holdings in terms of what they're invested in. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you've been talking about, like, people even think of the safety of, like, solar and wind is still heavily subsidized. How the people who are helping fund it are also look are in, heavily involved with fossil fuels and coal and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like... Well, so, and, so as far as, like, I think it's it's the tail end of 2019... We mm-hmm. as a species are on the precipice of my children's children are not going to have clean air to breathe. They're not going to have water to drink. They're not going to be able to feed themselves and their children unless we do something right now. And for all of you out there that are saying I'm playing the world's smallest violin right now, that's fine. Um, but it's like we... I keep saying this, and, and, you know, I almost get tired of hearing myself say it, but, like, we have no incentive not to try. Right. And we look, you, 
I read, I saw a headline this morning that was talking about how, you know, us in the United States, we're constantly trying to, you know, the famous tagline, reduce, reuse, recycle. We're trying to repurpose things. We're trying to do away. We as a family, Skylar and I, are trying to get away from one-use plastics. Um, You know, we are trying to do our part in making sure that our grandkids can go to the beach and play and not lay um, on a floating raft of trash. You know what right. I mean? And then you look at the, you know, kind of the metrics of, by nation, the not necessarily the carbon footprint, but the trash footprint that they have on the planet, and especially the ocean. China and Indi- India are your big two. You know, they right. they put more garbage in a daily basis or, yeah, on a daily basis in the ocean than most uh, states in the U.S. do in, like, a calendar year. Okay, so it's wow. it's a lot. Right. Think about what this, this nuclear technology that cannot be weaponized could do for some of these developing nations um, if they don't have to worry about, like, reliable electricity generation maybe that that would allow them to take the next step into being a more modern society and i i think i think the benefits like i said earlier i think the benefits far outweigh the cost um because obviously this isn't a cheap technology but if you look at the money that we've thrown at everything else ethanol fuels hydrogen fuels um we have thrown a lot a lot of money down the tubes and we've had the potential, the potential solution this whole time for the last fifty plus years, um, but we just don't want to admit it to ourselves. Right. Yeah. I. I honestly don't. I don't know if just enough people that are in power are so influenced by the lobbyists of these other energy providers that they just they're they're just want to hide this as much as possible mm-hmm. and say this is all kind of false science that is just going to lead to the end of the world they much rather use the safety of the past like well we've done it for 200 years like what's wrong with doing it a little bit longer realizing that i mean i remember people saying like oh we'd be out of like gasoline by now Mm -hmm. i remember like in middle school school, they said like we're like by like like 2030 there'll be gas prices will be this high and it'll be at like almost no supply and Mm -hmm. Obviously, that hasn't happened, but there's still it's we gotta find a better way to do this, and I think there's no harm when like at least trying this out and putting like people that know how to do this and let just do some test cases and if it and if it works effectively, let's keep rolling it out and then seeing that like this is Ryan fine for ten years generate this much electricity mm-hmm. at this negative effects to the environment. Let's start replacing some of these. Uh, these plants that are actually putting out all these, like the negative, uh, like carcinogens and stuff into the environment that we can easily avoid. Let's just start replacing those with this. Like I know there's a, uh, with my job there's some guys I work with in India that where they live the like the air they like they went like out to like into like kind of more into like the country and then when they came back they all got really sick from just the their lungs not being able to handle the amount of pollution that they deal with on a daily basis, their body just kind of adjusts to. But when they get 
exposed to fresh air, it just kills their system when they come back. Mm -hmm. So, to add to that, you know, we talk about every every time I see people that are in the you know the energy industry have debates or discussions about you know should we even entertain the idea of continuing um like continuing to further the technology as far as nuclear goes here is one of my favorite favorite ever um kind of write-ups it says over the next 20 to 40 years the levelized cost of of energy for an existing nuclear plant so that's not these thorium salt reactors. It is one that is running right now and has been running for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Is only three cents per kilowatt of energy. Okay, that's three cents, three pennies for a thousand watts of energy. For an existing gas plant, the levelized cost of energy is five cents a kilowatt. Okay, so. Nuclear's cheaper. Existing technology is cheaper. Two cents per kilowatt, not a big deal. And for an existing coal plant, it's four cents per kilowatt. Okay? Okay. That's everything existing. The same um, it, the same data for a, new, a brand new gas plant is seven cents per kilowatt. A brand new nuclear plant is only nine cents a kilowatt. Sorry, I had a guest. Um, That's hard, all right. Nine cents per kilowatt for a new gas plant and a new coal plant, which we are, you know, uh, under Trump. We're all about the coal. We got to build more of them. It's ten. Right. It's ten cents per kilowatt. So, and then for a for a wind generation facility of uh, a, a large enough size to actually make a difference, uh, it's eleven. Mm-hmm. It's eleven cents per kilowatt. So, you go existing technology, it's slightly cheaper for um, brand new technology, it's exponentially cheaper compared to gas, wind, solar, and coal. Again, it, it reinforces the, why are we not doing it? A thousand million watt, or I'm sorry, a thousand megawatt nuclear plant produces about nine billion kilowatts of carbon-free electricity per year. To replace that with wind, it would require about 3,000 megawatts of new wind turbines at 1.5 million megawatts or four or I'm sorry, one and a half million dollars per megawatt or four and a half billion just for the construction. So... I mean, the science is there, the mm-hmm. the technology is there at this point, and now the um, man, what's the, on the financial side of it? It's on our side yet again, because right. it is the cheaper technology, and it is one that is actually carbon emission free, unlike a lot of the other ones that claim to be. Right. It really seems like it should be. Like, the easiest question on a test, like, just just do it. Like, I don't, like, I don't know, what what are your thoughts on, or I guess we've, we've probably kind of discussed enough, but what are your thoughts on why the government we are now is so opposed to this, and would someone 
a different person in power, not to like shift this majorly into political, but could even like we have obviously the elections next year. Could even if like a new administration take hold, could they even? Because I don't think that's even been enough on either party's side to really influence this. But do you think even with a different set of people in charge, we could even push this heavily? I think it entirely depends on the cabinet you have. If you have the right people in your cabinet that are legit scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if I was a scientist and you were a scientist and you sent me this this data, even, even some of these, you know, like... Um, you know, throw the MIT one out the window. Throw the one that you sent me a little bit ago out the window. Pull up this this write up from Forbes or the um, excuse me the NBC one. And if if I'm a scientist and I'm in charge of the what's the Department of the Interior? That's the one in charge of the um, energy in the United States, right? Um. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, if I'm a cabinet cabinet member and I Oh wait, no, there's a Department of Energy. Yes, what am I Department talking about? Yes, Department of Energy, duh. <laughs> so, you I I get this in an email and I look at it and I'm like, "Okay, you know, whatever. It's it's nuclear. It's not viable." And the people that I have surrounding me are the right people. I bring this to their attention and they might not push for it, but they're not going to throw it in the trash. Like I feel like the last four or five administrations we've had have done. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think it, it would be asinine to say that through the department of energy, through the people in our government, through the people in um, the EU, anywhere, throw out any random government, you can't in good conscience tell me that there is not one person who has said, Hey, maybe we should try nuclear. Um, you know, the, the data's here. It's pretty safe now. Um, you know, I, I, I think it, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you brought up, you know, would it matter with an administration? I'm not really sure if it would, but I think you just have to have the right people surrounding the right person. Otherwise, it's never going to be even talked about. Right. Because I know there's this whole, um, that the World Energy Council is a thing that exists. Is mm-hmm. that, like, some that have to, like, they'd have to be the ones to, like, do the, like, work and bring it up, be, like, bring it up all the world leaders at one time, be like, we think this is the, the way forward and hopefully have enough competent people to be like, all right, let's let's do it. I feel like not one, yeah, not one government in the world can probably change this easily, mm-hmm. because I- so many people are are scared of the optics and the PR of trying to do something like this that they're more worried about their viability and staying in power than trying to make this change. And I think too, you know, you bring up uh, a good point with the World Energy Council. I feel like if they if they laid this all out very simply for for the the world leaders and said look this is basically going to be your dollar amount uh you know this is going to be your 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 investment your cost um at initial investment and this is going to be the return that you're going to get on your investment over the next decade over the next 20 years 40 years you know so on and so forth and i think i would hope at least and and this is you know the 
the optimist side of me coming out that if that was laid out over in front of you know basically the the big powers of the of the spinning marble the little blue marble in in space that we're <laughs> riding around on that at least the majority of them would would even entertain the idea um you know it's not really it, it's it's not super realistic and it's not super viable just because people don't want to they're looking the gift horse in the mouth, essentially. Right. Um, you know, I, I keep beating the dead horse, but the data's there. Financially, right. the data's there. Scientifically, you've got you've got just a random blue collar dudes like us talking about nuclear energy on a on a Monday night for for no reason, really. Um, right. We just need more of that. Right. It's not something like. They can't wait until they've used every other resource to be like, all right, now now we have another choice, let's try nuclear, because in 50 years, we might be past the point of no return where this can't even reverse anything. This just, it's putting a Band-Aid on a leaking dike, essentially. It's like, mm-hmm. it's still, you're not going to do much. It's just going to come, like, well, and we can't turn back the time on this. Yeah, we don't have the technology to turn back time, or we do, and it was stored in, in Area 51, and not enough Naruto runners uh, charge the <laughs> charge the fence. But, like, you know, we haven't even talked about hydro generation at all during the show so far. And the effect, we have not. The effects that that has on environments, you know, upriver, downriver. Um, it's great technology, but it's not good for all parties involved. And... I mean, you've got facts, or this is a fact. It's not a t- statistic. It's it's fact. U.S. carbon emissions rose in 2018 by over 60 million tons of CO2. I used to be. I've never been against climate change. I used to be one of those people that, rather than than put the time in and research and 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 form my own opinion, I just said, ah, the Earth goes through cycles. You know, we're in one of the warming ones. It'll be all right. And, right. and where I'm at, you know, at, at the tail end of the decade here, I feel mm-hmm. like we cannot afford to say that anymore. We can't afford to just sit on our hands and say, it'll be all right later on down the road. Because right. we are close to that point of no return. Sure, we've got more dinosaur juice, but we have to put something in place now because the dinosaur juice is only going to last so long. Um, right. And you can't breathe when when the the atmosphere is full of nothing but fucking coal dust. So right. I don't, I don't know, know, people. Man. Yeah, people are so afraid of this whole nuclear winter that they're just not even willing to see through that. Like, I'm gonna run to my clean coal, and clean coal itself is just pure spin by some PR team. Is like, yeah. how can we make coal sound better? Let's let's put clean in front of it because. Well, and, and, and there are steps that you can do to make those systems cleaner. I mean, but you essentially have to scrub every bit of discharge in the at, into the atmosphere you have at every every level of the process. So you have to right. you have to scrub the atmosphere while you mine it. You can't do that. That's impossible. You have right. to you have to scrub the man. You have to scrub the atmosphere when you're refining it. Yeah, that's hard to do. I mean, not that you really refine coal, but right. you get what I'm saying. And yeah, it, it, every step of the process yes. from, it gets from when you pull it from the ground to when you convert it to energy. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to be there at every 
possible checkpoint to do that. Mm-mm. You know, especially with with all that this administration has done to weaken and and get rid of um, the EPA. EPA. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just for. It, it, it really grinds my gears when people are like, well, the EPA is out of control and and they shouldn't have, you know, they shouldn't have a say in this and that. They absolutely should. Right. <laughs> I mean, and they're like, the, they're like, oh, let's put let's put the the management in the in the hands of the corporation. And it's like putting the three year old in charge of the food in the fridge like they'll. They'll, they'll sure make sure it stays safe. That's that's yep. they're not going to open it up and take what they want out of it and pretend it's still in there. Like that's like, yeah, it just seems seems foolish to hamstring the EPA just to better suit the the companies that are giving you extra money, right? To let them do that. Well, and like you know, like, like I talked about earlier in the show, we've tried enough alternatives at this point. We've tried hydrogen. We've tried. We tried using just straight water as fuel, and we can't figure out how to do that viably, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, where where the current nuclear power plants are, they're big parts of the communities that surround them. And when those get decommissioned, it devastates those communities. So not only do you have that, but, like, here's a... a, a <clears throat> a write-up from Forbes that says nuclear jobs are the best in the business. They have the highest salaries, which they should because it is a dangerous job. Right. And there are more of them in nuclear per megawatt than any other energy source. So every power generation plant in the United States, there are more nuclear jobs and they all make more money than everyone else. So the local tax revenue is better. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So every time we put another clean coal plant in, um, another family like mine or yours, you know, they can't buy groceries tonight because their clean, their zero carbon emissions facility got shut down. So, so Mr. Mr. Smithers could, uh, devastate the fucking ozone layer. Right. Like I'd much rather have like a nuclear plant in my backyard than like, a fracking operation yeah like just for the safety of mine and like my community i think it's just but i don't know because i mean I, i've seen all those horror stories from like the fracking with the the flaming garden hoses and houses just exploding from the from the natural gas leaking through the the disrupted ground level mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know They'll try all these other ways just to harness stuff from the ground and not even think to be like, let's. There could be a better, cleaner, safer way. But I don't know. It's 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 quite the, it's quite the debacle that we're kind of in right now, where we even two relatively unqualified people have to talk about it because people with much more much uh, greater power and ability to even attempt this are choosing to ignore it mm-hmm. and i like i don't see like and i don't even think like what can we even do at this point to even try and change this we, like petitions for this won't work we saw whenever once time someone in any sense of power tries to push something greener more environmentally conscious they kind of get just thrown to the wolves in terms of like attacking every detail about it saying they're trying to 
tell them what they can and can't do with their lives and they're hurting their freedom to do what they enjoy. Mm -hmm. Like we saw when that, that young girl was, uh, like took a boat across the Atlantic for the whole climate change. And then people were like getting in like all their heavy duty trucks and just blasting, uh, like just blasting all the exhaust into the air in like protest of it. Like, like what, 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 what point are you proving? You're just trying to run away from facts to better suit your own needs, I guess. I don't know what these people are trying to prove. Well, it's just, it's, I don't know. It it goes on, it goes along with, with the trend of at least the last three to five years that you're not educated about something. Someone is educated or is trying to educate themselves and others and they're passionate about it. So what's my first reaction? Should I learn about it or do any research at all? No, I'm just going to shit on it. Right. Just because I can and I feel powerful because I can. And I don't know. It's a... we could probably you and I could probably sit down and figure out how to get uh, nuclear energy pushed into the, all the governments across the globe easier than we could the people that are shitting on the on other people trying to make the world a better place a little bit right. easier. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's just people resorting to like grade school tactics where if you can't get something and someone else does, it automatically is stupid, and you're gonna just bully that kid for getting something that you don't exactly and i don't know it's it's definitely a hard thing to try and change people love and sometimes they have to learn something the hard way but when these people learn something the hard way it already means pretty much a disaster for everyone else mm-hmm. but yep man we've unpacked a lot on this episode mm-hmm. this but we like we haven't even like we've talked longer on other subjects before, but I feel like we went we went heavy with this. Well, it's just it, it's there's so many there's so many it's like an onion. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Shrek on on all the listeners here. Nuclear energy is like an onion because there's so many layers on like just the technology itself, and then you you get you keep you keep peeling layers off, and you're like, man, this should work. Oh shit, it does work. Right. Uh, why are we not doing this? Oh, here's the layers of why we're not doing it. I see. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some scary stuff. I'm already past that layer. Um, now it's just people sitting in chairs making phone calls saying what we can and what we can't do. Um, right. Good, good article right here. Uh, I just had it pulled up. So the first thing at the, pro- at, at the top of the... Um, at the page, problem with uh, molten salt reactors. Uh, tritium production. If lithium is used in the salt, tritium will be, will be produced, which is radioactive and extremely mobile. Since it's small, it can go through metal like a hot knife through butter. Um, one company used a special sodium uh, fluoroborate intermediate salt to capture most of it. But a large amount still escape to the environment. So that's a problem, you know, because lithium is incredibly uh, detrimental to the environment. Lithium-ion batteries are fantastic, but they're not... They don't have a lot of longevity. They fucking torch the environment, and they're expensive. 
Tritium is equally bad. We just need to spend a little bit more time and make the, the technology a little bit more viable. Um, uh, maintenance will be difficult because the the facilities themselves will be highly radioactive. This is the first time that I've read that, so I don't know that I necessarily believe that 100%. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah. like one of the big ones, other issues, unknown waste form. It's not clear what nuclear waste from MSRs will look like. We don't know because we've never fucking tried it. Right. You know, it's just, I don't, it, it gets really, really frustrating. Right. It's like the people, it's like putting the same, uh, same position when people were sailing across the new world for the first time thinking like they're just going to run into nothingness and fall off the face. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not going to know until you get to that point. Either you're going to fall off the face of the earth or you're going to hit something else. Like, Well, and it's really dumb shit, too, because like there are more people on the earth right now that believe that it's flat than people like us that think that nuclear technology should at least be entertained. Right. You know, and it, yeah. it, it, I feel really bad because it's like fucking flat. There's more flat earth people. Than people that are pro nuclear yeah, energy, which is just dumb. Like, yeah, and I just I I just uh, looked. Uh, I was just searching a couple things really quick, and it came up from the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation okay. about the seven reasons why nuclear energy is not the answer to climate change. Okay, and it said uh, there's a few. I'll just read the seven points. I'm not going to get into the the text of it. Just I think it's this is from like earlier. Was it 2018, 2019? It's it's more recent. It's like. Oh, there's a long lag time between planning and operation. Okay, that's like a lot of things. It's going to take a little bit to get it up and running. You're not going to be able to start it over in a like a week. It's going to you're going to need to spend some time there. That's like anything. Uh, cost, um, the levelized cost of energy for nuclear power, uh, plant in 2018 is $151 per megawatt per what? Yeah. Okay. It compares to 43 for onshore wind and 41 for utility scale solar PV from the same source. Okay. A little bit different statistics than what I read a little bit ago. Right. Um, you said there's a weapon proliferation risk. But that's also that's using the uh, plutonium and uranium, which with the, the thorium salt and doing the MSRs is not going to involve that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says there's a meltdown risk, which... Um, they're citing Chernobyl, Fukushima, Three Mile Island, all the things that we were just talking about, how these are all cases. It says, to date, 1.5% of all nuclear power plants ever built have melted down to some degree. Yeah, 1.5%. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, what have we seen with uh, everything else we've experienced in terms of energy creation? A lot. Yeah. Um, mining lung cancer risk. Okay. For uranium mining causes lung cancer in large numbers of miners because uranium mites contain natural radon gas, some of which decay products are carcinogenic. But the same can be said about people who are mining for coal, experiencing like the same kind of carcinogens they're going to deal with and black lung and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says it's carbon equivalent emissions and air pollution. This one's kind of interesting. So they said there's no such thing as a zero or close to zero emission nuclear power plant. Even existing plants emit due to the continuous mining or refining of uranium needed for the plant. Okay. Um, 
Let's see. Emissions from new nuclear are 78 to 178 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour, not close to zero. Of this, 64 to 102 uh, grams of CO2 to over a kilowatt hour over 100 years are emissions from the background grid while consumers wait 10 to 19 years for nuclear to come online or be refurbished relative to the two to five years for wind or solar. So it's not like this thing is really pushing the wind or solar side of things and denouncing mm-hmm. uh, nuclear. Yeah. So, and it, yeah, it just seems like this article is just really trying to push you away. Yeah, this was from yeah June of 2019, so just from a few months ago. So, I mean, some of the things that, that were cited in that article are true. There is no such right. thing as 100% car- zero carbon emissions, anything. Right. Because you have to get the material out of the ground or out of the air or, or what mm-hmm. have you from somewhere. You're having to use... Um, fossil fuels to get that shit out of the ground somehow but right. but if you if you figure out how to generate the tech or the if you generate the electricity and you can do it in a way that it's it's uh easy to harness that electricity at any given time or place then you do away with that fossil fuel generation or need the dependence and you only depend on nuclear at that point Mm-hmm. So it, it's exactly like a friend of mine who works in the renewable energy industry recently pre-ordered one of the Tesla trucks. Okay. Okay. He he saw the Cybertruck and he had to have it, so he pre-ordered one. And part of the reason why I have never even entertained the idea of getting a Tesla at this point is, you know, one, the cost, but two, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to plug a Tesla into my garage every night and uh, burn, you know, increase my kilowatt usage a month because my electric bill is going to go up drastically and electricity is more expensive than gasoline. Right. Um, And then you're, you're compounding the problem because you're using more energy. You're having to have more energy generated where is that energy being generated from here in indiana it's not clean even right even remotely so not only am i burning still burning gasoline but i'm using more electricity and i'm compounding the problem right. so it's we're giving you the perception that you're being better for the environment by having an electric vehicle even though how it's getting the electricity to begin with yep is just as much of a problem as driving a gas truck or mm-hmm. a diesel or anything like that. It's like the same reason, like, I can be able to g- good about throwing a soda bottle into the recycling, even though to truly be recycled it has to go through a lot of, you're supposed to do a lot of stuff on your end, like clean it out, mm-hmm. separate the colored from the clear plastic, take the label off, all of that to make it even effective. Otherwise, they just have to pitch it anyway. Yep. But it, but it gives you that sense of, like, I'm doing something to make it better. Well, and, and you know, like most... Uh like most regular citizens, we have a city trash can, city recycling bin. Mm-hmm. And last, the same. last summer, I, I, I had a day off of work or something, and I took my trash cans out early in the day, and I was having a cup of coffee, and I looked out the window, and the guy grabbed my trash can, dumped the trash can in the truck, grabbed my recycling bin, and I was like, oh, I've never seen him actually take the recycling bin. And they put it the exact same place that they put the trash. So like, what? <laughs> so what is the what is the point of even separating? Like I put the time in and I separated the shit. 
you know? Right. And now it's going into the landfill like everything else, okay? Yeah, like what? The shitty. Yeah, I've seen... Yeah, like, I have at least... I. At least from what I've seen, I have, we have the two separate trucks here, but I don't know where they're going after that. They could be going to the exact same place. It's mm-hmm. just gives you the sense of like, oh, that's that's nice. That's I'm doing something, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's definitely there's that fine line of walking between like doing something that's helpful and doing something that just makes you feel like you're doing something helpful. Right. Um, but. I don't know. It, it it it's a very slippery slope because. Most of the the technology where we're at right now, it all it all looks really good on paper. The small scale mm-hmm. experiments that we've seen looks really good. We've never seen it on grand scale. So everything that I've ranted about the last hour or so could all be bullshit. But but right. again, I, I want to drive I want to drive this point home for anyone that cares to hear what I'm saying is we have no incentive to try at least once. Try one right. time. And see how it plays like, out. Right. Like, that's the point of doing, like, a trial or creating a beta of something. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw how many iterations it took to get cars right, to get planes right. Like, we could try, put the money in, someone can put the investment in to make one of them. Mm-hmm. Just see what happens. And if it works, great. If it does, if it's just cost everything else, okay, at least we tried it. At least we proved something. Exactly. Because, yeah, it's it's either going to be, if it's better, worse, or the same, it's still something that we should at least get some quantitative data to be like, hey, all right, it's out there. We're collecting info on a daily basis. We know it's, because as our, like, I don't think our population is going to get any weaker. Our, just our demand for energy is just going to keep going up. Mm-hmm. And we need to start finding options now to actually make it better. So, yeah, like our children, our children's children can can have a normal functioning society that at least on the same level that we're experiencing today. Exactly. Like, I mean, I suppose better, but at least should be the same. But I think that might do it for today. Obviously, like Tyler and I have said on the show up to this point, it's just, you got to do your own research to this. Like, just like you can't trust what everyone else says, you got to kind of put your own thoughts and your actions because... Even though we have nothing to gain by you being for or against nuclear energy beyond having a cleaner, kind of greater world that we can live in if this is adopted. Like, it's just, you got to put that extra research in and not just blindly follow what I say or what the internet says and just kind of keep digging in and seeing, oh, this stuff is proven fact or it's proven fiction. Mm-hmm. It's like that whole thing I did about fact versus opinion a few episodes back, but yeah, just keep getting out doing the research. Uh, Tyler, thank you for being on here. I We've definitely talked about a lot. You're very knowledgeable as always. Thank you. Yes. Um, we're going to put... Uh, after I drop the episode, I'll put the link to um, some of the articles that we've talked about so you can kind of fall in the rabbit hole that we've fallen down Perfect. as we were kind of preparing for this. I know I have the, the one I shared earlier. I have the, the technology review article up. I know Tyler has some. So we'll be dropping those tomorrow to just kind of aid in your own personal research and see what you can find and if you have anything that you want to uh share with us feel free to share it on my socials and i'll be sure tyler will see it and uh yeah thank you all for listening uh i think that'll do it for episode 48 of poor 360 thanks again tyler thank you all right that'll do it guys you guys have a great week
You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitch Radio, Spotify, and many others.